This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, October 28th, 2022 on your public radio station, 91.3 KUAF. I'm Kyle Kellams. With me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics. I love it when you're able to come in. Well, I love being here, too. I just think it's a better show. We sound better. Um, I would like to think I sound smarter, but I don't think that's possible. I sound taller. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, let's start with some tax reporting that uh, hit the website yesterday. Yeah, the um, Fort Smith's share of the Sebastian County tax was a little over $2 million, 2.019, I want $2.02 really. That's up 11.3% compared to the same period last year. Um, September report, of course, reflects August transactions. Year to date, that tax has generated $17.6 million. That's up 12.6% compared to the same period in 2021. That also tracks, uh, you know, we just reported recently also there was a 13.8% increase year to date right. in uh, Bentonville, Fayetteville, Rogers, and Springdale, their combined tax revenue. And the combined, all of Arkansas sales and use tax revenue in the first quarter, the first fiscal quarter of the year, which is July through September, was up 9.5%. So it's not, I mean, they're all up. Now, in, again, a few points. I know we talk about this these monthly, and... You know, I've said I've kept I've kept thinking that we'd come off the double-digit increase mm-hmm. at some point. We have to, right? Yeah, but, but I'm not sure that we will, though, in the remainder of the year. Um, now, I know it's an election cycle, and we have one party that wants us to believe the economy's in the crapper or is tanking, however, whatever the most polite way to say that is. <laughs> but 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 most, if, if not all, reports you read show that the consumer is still healthy, is still spending. In fact, yesterday... Um, it was reported that the U.S. GDP went up 2.6%. That was that surprise. They were expecting 1.3, 1.5. So that was now that could get revised downward. They also reported that wage growth numbers are up. Now, of course, home sales, real estate investments are coming down, um, but the U.S. economy continues at a healthy pace. So I'm not sure. I mean that that double-digit right. percentage increase is going to come down. I mean, gross, you can ask people, though, grocery prices and fuel prices yes. still. Those are the two big yeah. ones. Yeah. Those and are those big, are big. Yep. Now, um, one thing I do want to keep in mind, because we hear this from mayors, we hear it from city administrators, just because they're generating more revenue doesn't mean they've, they've, they're flush with cash right. because their costs are going up. Of course. Building roads, asphalt to do that, all the construction materials, everything that a normal business spends on that where you see price increases, so does the city. Well, and if, you know, all the big cities in our listening area have been growing, right. and that takes a toll. Yes. So I just, I know we've had some people send us emails or texts saying, well, these politicians need to cut our taxes. Then yeah. if they're, well, okay, be careful what you wish for. Right. You might, then you, that road or bridge you want built later on, they might not have the money for it. So, so I just wanted to point that out. Also at talkbusiness.net is a great interview um, with Chief Baker from the who is the chief of police in Fort Smith. Yeah. How did this happen? Well, Chief Danny Baker, he it kind of, it's it's his uh, third. I think early October was his third anniversary as the official chief. He was interim for uh, almost a year, um, so I just wanted to visit with him to see. Um, what the, those three years have been like. You know, he's been with the police force since 2001, so he's not new to the force. He's not new to Fort Smith. He's an East Oklahoma kid, uh, born and raised, I think, near in the Tahlequah area, or Taliqua, as the new weathermen say. <laughs> um, but so I got this. I, I was able to sit down with him, and he's very open, very generous with his time. Um, and it's interesting his path. You know, he started in 2001. He was at the police academy when the towers fell on yeah. September 11th, and the Pentagon was it. And so he said policing changed, just boom, out of the gate. And then Hurricane Katrina hit in 2005, and there were a lot of those folks that became refugees and landed in Camp Chaffee, Fort Chaffee. And so he was among some of the police officers who pulled many, many days of 12-hour shifts to provide security and help support all that. And then in 2000. Six, Danny Martinez, his best friend who he helped get hired on the police right. force, was killed in a um, response to domestic disturbance, which was horrible. So he had that. And then, of course, in 2007, Chief, former Chief Kevin Lindsay was hired, and that just became 
just a bad storm through 2016 of just right. bad culture. And, and, and Chief Baker was very open about it, and he called it silo. There was just silos of bad behavior all through the police force. And so um, he then he when he was interim then in 2019, just a couple of years, just right as he became interim, we had this historic floods in Fort Smith. Oh, that's right. Yes. That just consumed the force for several months. Um, they received a lot of criticism for how they handled some of the incidents. but hmm. And they were down— they were down 40 officers, over 40 officers. The whole Kevin Lindsay debacle had just drained the police force. And so he was having to respond. They canceled vacations. They And he and he did that, and he saw that it was a good kind of a – the it was a bad event. He wouldn't want to go through it again, but the upside was they had, you know, a good bonding experience. Long story short, one of the reasons I wanted to interview him is because I've been skeptical because here's this, like I said, this East Oklahoma rural kid – who um, through and George Floyd happened too right. during, and they had protests in Fort Smith. Um, but if you look at what he's done with community policing, he's he's one eighty'd the culture in Fort Smith. He is espousing very close to what a lot of uh, quote woke East Coast folks mm-hmm. would want police forces to do community policing. And he even admits we've moved, and these are his words, we've moved from a warrior mentality to a guardian mentality. And so I was very skeptical, along with a lot of other folks. Can you do this? Can you shift an entire culture that spent almost 10 years of just being bad boys, you know, literally right? in many cases? But so far he's pulled it off. Crime is down. They're almost fully staffed, at the, which is unheard of in the municipal policing community, policing world. And that's before their big 24% pay raise that's supposed to kick in in 2024. So interesting story. I encourage anyone to go look at it. But um, I guess my own the only thing that's unknown is if he were to leave tomorrow for whatever reason, would that culture remain? Mm-hmm. Is he, kind of the, he thinks it will, uh, but it's just a very unique culture in the South and in Arkansas. And so I just kind of wanted to get his take on it. And I want to ask um, who the the picture that accompanies this at the top with a cat. Yeah, Poffer Fuzz. Poffer Poffer Fuzz. That's yeah, a real yeah. That's mascot. Their, yeah, and they take them to schools, and it's kind of a <laughs> you know, it's a it helps break the sure uh, you know break the environment so to speak. And um, he even said he even said they received some criticism for that. Like, police should have dogs. I'm like, oh boy, no, we can. <laughs> pets are pets. People. Right. So anyway, but yeah, they're they're proud of. Uh, Possifer Fuzz? Right, I think that's, yeah. Um, Judy McReynolds is part of the 2023 Arkansas Business Hall of Fame class. Yeah, another feather in her cap. She just recently recognized Forbes in a very prestigious uh, list nationwide. Yeah, she's president and CEO uh, Fort Smith-based ArcBest, which is the parent company of ABF Freight. Probably a lot of people know them. They're on track to hit four billion in revenue for the first time. It's almost one hundred years. A lot of money. Um, and uh, again, you know, kudos to her. She's there have been ninety six. Uh, I, I looked at the Walton College website, unless I counted wrong, which is possible. But there are ninety six, including this class. She's one of only eight women, including John L. Hunt, and she's only the third uh, inductee from Fort Smith. The other was Robert A. Young III, whose dad founded right. ABF. And then Raleigh Borum, who ran Baldor for for a long time, so it's quite a quite a prestigious list that yeah. she's included in. Given history and geography, I'm not unfortunately real surprised that she's just the eighth woman. Just no. knowing how, yes. but I am incredibly shocked that just the third Fort Smith. Yeah, I don't I don't know what that's a function of because these are come from recommendations and yeah. A pretty broad panel that looks at the recommendations. I don't, I don't know if there've been other uh, applications from Fort Smith, but yeah, well, yeah, that's the a good second point. largest city, and it was the for many of those years, it was the even the second largest metro area. And a well, lot of business, key businesses uh, come out of there. Yeah, I mean, you think decades back with furniture and then manufacturing. Yeah, yeah there's so been a you, lot of business. Yeah, and you've had you know those guys who started USA Truck way yeah. back when. You know, so. Um, again, I could have been wrong with right. uh, with looking at if if somebody wants to correct me, I'm all for that. But uh, that was my take looking through the Walton College website. 
Well, speaking of business, there's a new business in oh, yes. Portsmouth that I'm very interested in. Um, they're going to be making some some liquor, some whiskey distillery. Whiskey, yeah, out of uh, Colorado, out of Colorado. Um, you know, I think uh, the Fort Chaffee Redevelopment Authority uh, approved the sale of a building in five, a little over five acres to this company called Axe and the Oak Distillery. Um, now, when the late, great Mayor Ray Baker used to say, life's worth living in Fort Smith, <laughs> I think that this often. would have certainly qualified. <laughs> um, I know it's not open yet, but I think this, this would qualify. Um, Casey Ross, who is one of the founders, um, he was there during during the, the meeting in which it's approved. He doesn't have estimates on the cost of construction, when it would begin. They'll have up between 10 and 20 employees. Um, salaries range from 35 to 65,000. So it's a good little economic development yeah. venture for, for Chap. One of with the favorite quote that he gave um, it, what to during the meeting was, quote, we'll be making bourbon, rye, vodka, and gin. All the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was pretty good. They hope to have it the distillery open in second quarter of next year, um, which should just, you know, be just in time to drown out the possible reality of the end of our constitutional <laughs> republic. What what drew them to to our part of the world? No, that's we're we're gonna do more of an in depth story. Okay. I don't, we didn't get that. This sure. is more of a meeting process right. type thing. But yeah, what you know, Colorado to Fort Smith. Who knows? Okay. I, I'm anxious to hear I, that I answer. suspect, I've been doing this long enough to know, I suspect there, there's some familial connection. There's some you know, the fraternity brother. There's some connection like right. that, that, that that brought them here. They didn't just throw a dart on a map. And You know, it's been ah, since the pandemic that I've actually been to Chaffee and Chaffee Crossing. It, you, you wouldn't recognize it. I guess not. You would not recognize it. Yeah, you need, you need to All get right. out there. i got to get to the bakery district, too. Yeah, downtown. Yeah, yeah. That's I love the bakery district. Maybe someday soon I'll come to you. That that and we'll record this in Fort Smith. Wouldn't hurt my feelings. Okay, Michael Tilly is with Talk Business and Politics. Michael, thank you so much. You're welcome, sir. Historic Cane Hill will host a day-long program inspired by nature, November 5th, featuring nature writing workshop and craft talk with authors Jeffrey Davis and Tony Jensen. It's for writers of all skill levels and will focus on drawing inspiration from nature. Other activities include a forest therapy hike, outdoor yoga, lunch, and a cooking demonstration with Ozark Natural Foods. For more, historiccanehillar.org. KUAF is supported by Little Wing Productions, welcoming classic country rock group Nitty Gritty Dirt Band to the auditorium in Eureka Springs this Friday, October 28th. Band hits include Mr. Bojangles, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, House at Pooh Corner, and more. Tickets at tickets.thundertix.com. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. Scott Berna is owner and funeral director for Nelson Berna Funeral Home in Fayetteville and is also running for City Council Ward 3 in Fayetteville. On September 13th, Berna reached out to Brad Stamps, the head boys varsity basketball coach at Fayetteville High School, to request some help with his campaign. In an email we received via a Freedom of Information Act request, Berna says to Coach Stamps that he is in need of some additional people to help with a door hanger event coming up later in September. He tells Stamps, quote, I thought of you and the team and wanted to extend an invitation for your team to help me. And of course, I would make a contribution to the team for their efforts, end quote. I reached out to Scott Burnham myself to gain more context on his email. He told me that prior to reaching out to Coach Stamps, he contacted the State Ethics Commission. We asked, is this legal? Is this permissible? And they said, Absolutely. So I called the school. I was given the okay to go ahead and move forward. I reached out to Brad and I said, I want to make sure it's perfectly clear to the parents. Here's what you're doing. Here's what your child will be doing. And it is a fundraising opportunity for your booster club. It's not an endorsement. It's absolutely should be considered as a fundraising opportunity and that any child or any parent that is uncomfortable with their child doing that should be given an opportunity to opt out because I did not want anybody to feel uncomfortable. I reached out to Graham Sloan, the director of the Arkansas Ethics Commission, 
And he told me he personally did not hear from Berna about this kind of question. That sounds like the kind of question that somebody would have run by me, you know. I provided Sloan with some of the email exchange that I shared at the beginning of this story to provide more context for him. My first question or concern is just like, oh, a high school basketball team doesn't have a checking account, you know. So, you know, so you're going to pay the basketball team. Well, you know, where's that, you know, does it go to the school district? You know, I mean, just, you know, how does, how does that payment get processed? But it, it is permissible for a candidate to hire campaign workers and they can pay them reasonable wages. So the fact that the candidate is offering, or that a candidate, because I can't really comment about the specifics of the situation, the fact that a candidate is um, offering to pay money for help distributing door hangers i mean there's not a concern there that the the candidate would you know they'd have to the payment would be has to be a reasonable amount and then the, you know they would report it as a campaign expenditure the you know if it's a paid campaign worker there's a section on the report to list paid campaign workers sloan also says that the opt-out for students is good because you cannot coerce or require someone to be a paid campaign worker but you know, I didn't talk to him, and, and uh, I think that's a gray enough area that I'd be interested to know who he talked to because the sure that sounds good. That just doesn't that just doesn't sound like the you know, just doesn't sound like the answer we would have given. I asked Berna in my interview with him if he remembers who he spoke to on the ethics commission. That was a couple months ago, and I uh, you know my mistake. I didn't write it down. Berna told me on numerous occasions that he has long been a supporter of Fayetteville athletics since before his adult children were old enough to play high school sports. He reiterated that he wanted to make sure that these students were getting paid for their work and that his money went to an important cause. Ultimately, kids are being helped. So where's the problem? Because that, you know, when a kid comes up and hugs your neck, and thanks you for letting them have an opportunity to do that because had they not done that, their mom and dad would not be able to afford to buy them a pair of shoes for basketball. Any criticism I get, I'll wear that badge of honor all day long. I also reached out to the Fayetteville School District. They would not talk to me on the record, but provided a statement that says, quote, we are aware that some of our students and staff members volunteered to work in a political campaign event. The school district does not endorse or oppose any political candidate or ballot issue, end quote. I replied, making note of the email conversation, and asked, does the school district acknowledge that Coach Stamps asked students to volunteer their time to work in a political campaign event in exchange for a, quote, fundraising opportunity. They then provided a revised statement saying, quote, we are aware that some of our students and staff members volunteered to work at a political campaign event recently and that an email from a staff member invited them to the event. The matter is being investigated and addressed. We believe this was an isolated event caused by internal miscommunication. This action is not in line with our district policies. The school district does not endorse or oppose any political candidate or ballot issue. Graham Sloan, again from the Ethics Commission, says his commission would not be the one to enforce a school district policy. What would you have done if you were Mr. Berna in this situation? I mean, hire campaign workers and, and you know, and then... You know, I mean, I, and I'm familiar, you know, with people, you know, hiring a Boy Scout troop to do something, you know. Uh, but do you think there's a distinction between, like, a private organization like a Boy Scout group compared to uh, a group of, of public school athletes? Well, not not in the statutes under our jurisdiction. You know, the law doesn't, doesn't make that distinction. To be clear... A group of students did go out into Fayetteville to work for Scott Berna on the weekend he requested help. There was a Facebook photo of you with the group of students who were doing the door hanging that got posted on social media and then uh, was removed from social media. 
Um, do you have any idea what happened there? Yeah, because the 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 school district expressed concern, so I took it down. It, I mean, the bottom line is I knew people already had it, but out of respect for everybody involved, I pulled uh, pulled the the Facebook deal. You know, in hindsight, I wish I hadn't done it because maybe it didn't it it wouldn't have thrown up such a, a stink from the other side. It's not entirely clear that Scott Berna did anything wrong here. What is less clear is the role of a public school employee. Let's say that this was a, a teacher, for example, instead of a basketball coach, and the teacher was the history teacher at Fayetteville Public High School, and they're also in charge of Quiz Bowl, and they, uh, Sloan Scroggins, reached out to them and said, hey, I would like for your class to go and hang door hangers for me, and for their work, I'm going to donate money to the Quiz Bowl team. Um, a, a teacher asking their students to do this for a candidate and getting money for that, I think that would raise some eyebrows for folks. Do you, do you agree? If it's on the kids' own time and they're given the op- opportunity to opt out, I have no problem with that. If Mr. Scroggins wants to do it, more power to him because there are more kids being helped. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Matthew Moore. The Center for Arkansas Farms and Food is hosting Farmers for Tomorrow, a cocktail evening at the farm October 19th to provide tools and seeds for new Arkansas farms. It will feature food by Chef Micah Klasky of The Hive, prepared with student-grown produce, and a selection of drinks. More at farmersfortomorrow.org. This is Ozarks at Large with me on the phone from her, I think she's in her home office in Bella Vista, is Becca Martin-Brown, Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Is that where I got you? Oh, good heavens. If you find out, would you let me know? (laughs) You know, in the old days, you knew where someone was because the phone number was physically tied to that place. But now you could be in Timbuktu for a while. In the old days, I knew where I was because my brain wasn't able to keep up with it, but I don't know right now. You know this. Our listeners might not all know this. I am opening tonight in the first play I've done in six or seven years. Yes, you are. On stage in Rogers. At Arkansas Public Theater, it is a sweet show called Almost Maine. It's nine vignettes about people falling in love, falling out of love, looking for love in this very far north little town in Maine where you can see the northern lights. It's just a sweet show, and it looks beautiful thanks to the tech people at APT. And if I can just remember those nice words that the playwright wrote. How about that playwright? Yeah. I couldn't write the story about the show because conflict of interest, right? Mm -hmm. But I could reach out to the playwright. And he wrote the nicest email back in answer to questions that I sent him, saying that he wrote Almost Maine when he was beginning his career in New York City, and he was homesick Mm. and a little overwhelmed by city life. So he wrote about the little town he grew up with. He said, you don't find, like, audition monologues that are about real, rural, working people. Right. And he wanted to write that too and so all of the people in this show are composites of people he grew up with but he says the loveliest thing about what do you want the audience to walk away thinking about love and pain and hope and joy and hopelessness and sadness coexist but love and hope and joy have to win finding love is hard and scary keeping love is hard and scary and just because someone's life is hard doesn't mean it's joyless. And tonight is opening night. I cried when I read it. <laughs> and tonight is opening night. And you can see the show at 8 o'clock tonight or tomorrow night or 2 o'clock on Sunday or again next Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. I will try very hard to make you all proud of me. After I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. If you're in the River Valley this weekend, Young Actors Guild is doing the Disney Descendants musical. This is where the children of the bad guys, like Maleficent and the Evil Queen and Jafar, their children end up going to prep school 
alongside the children of the Disney heroes. Oh, I, I hope they all get along. Well, as the story of the play says, that forces them into a difficult decision. Should they follow in their parents' wicked footsteps or learn to be good? Gotcha. You know the show is going to be fun because it's directed by Missy Gibson. And you also know that the Young Actors Guild has two, not one, but two alumni on Broadway right now. Wow. That's yeah. that's saying something. Chad Burris is in Almost Famous and Zachary Myers is in A Strange Loop. Wow. And that's, and they have another actor, Hunter Doohan, who was last seen in Your Honor on Showtime and is currently on the Netflix show Wednesday. Seven o'clock today and, and tomorrow with a 2.30 matinee tomorrow at the King Opera House in Van Buren. Tickets start at $20 at weareyag.com. And then if you'll check your Friday paper and look for the SUP page, mm-hmm. which is an abbreviated entertainment guide, like what's up, SUP. Right. Know, there's a million other things going on. There are fall festivals and Halloween festivals, Halloween art labs, and a zombie crawl in Eureka Springs Saturday night, and a haunted university at UAFS. And then Sunday starts Dia de los Muertos events in Springdale. So check it out. Becca Martin-Brown, Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Thank you, Becca. Thank you, Kai. And eventually I discovered the harmonica, and I felt that was a very, very uh, close instrument in terms of the expression you could get to the voice, you know, and I felt like this is this is my new voice in a sense, you know. That's harmonica virtuoso Gregoire Marais, and I'm Robert Ginsberg, your host for Shades of Jazz. On this week's edition of the show, I'll feature an exclusive interview with Gregoire. He'll be performing right here in Northwest Arkansas. The words and music of Gregoire here on Shades of Jazz. This is Ozarks at Large, and this is Marisa Anderson and her guitar. Anderson and her solo guitar will be in Clapp Auditorium on Mount Sequoia Wednesday night. You hear the words solo guitar, but her playing sounds like anything but solo. Notes weave together at the same time, fluttering, speeding, or wafting into a single piece. This song, House of the Setting Sun, simultaneously seems to have notes lingering and beginning. That song I did something I had never done before and have never seen anyone do. I created a kind of a, a, you could call it a drone, but I was using the pedal steel and I took the bar and just put it on one spot on the steel and made a hum happen. That sounds like a synth hum, but has all these extra overtones and just these kind of like ghost notes are all in there. It's a very textural drone yeah. that was made. And then the way that the guitar, and the guitar's a little bit distorted in that one too, so there's already like more overtones in a distorted guitar sound. So it's these two, this kind of like very textural um, pedal steel note that's also a little distorted and the combination with the distorted guitar that's just throwing off all these ghost notes in a, what is a pretty simple melodic line that I'm playing on that song. Well, I'm so curious about how you put something... Do, you must experiment a lot and just say, like, let's see what this sounds like. Let's see where this goes, what kind of atmosphere it creates. Yeah, I like to call it playing yeah. rather than experimenting. And just get in the sandbox and start playing with whatever, you know, whatever is around. I'm like, oh, today feels like this, or what happens if I do that? Yeah, but I I like to think of it as playing rather than experimenting. I'm not in a laboratory. <laughs> right. Well, then, one thing I've always wondered, that how... So you're playing around and you find something that's really fun and, oh, you put it in. How do you remember it the next time? Mm. That's a good question. Um, I guess if I have forgotten it, it's not good enough to keep. I love that. I love that. (laughs) I'm always hesitant to tell someone what my favorite work of theirs is because I think it reveals maybe something about my personality. But I'm going to go and Mm -hmm. tell you. 
that my absolute favorite is Cloud Corner. And there's, again, it feels like multiple things happening at once. And it's, it's such a wonderful, delightful tune. How, do you remember coming up with that? Yeah, I actually do remember coming up with that. Um, the little riff, kind of the motif, the opening motif, was something that I'd had for quite a while, just playing with it, trying to put it here, trying to put it there, you know. Seeing, seeing what it could be made into. And um, my friend Vanessa Rennick has this annual party. It's called the Reading Party. And basically, people get into her backyard, and they're not allowed to talk. They bring books, and it's four hours long. And me and my friend Danny Sasaki, Sasaki we, he plays drums, and I play guitar, and we play for four hours without stopping. And... Um, that year, which I think it was 2018 or 17 that I recorded that, I just ran that riff so many times during that four-hour nonstop <laughs> playing with Danny. And then the next day, I was like, I have it. And I just went, I recorded myself, so I just turned on the mic, and I, you know, it locked in at some point during the reading party, and I, and I had it. Oh, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Maybe, maybe I'm over-romanticizing or definitely overthinking here. But when I hear first notes, especially from one of your compositions, it seems to me it's like setting up a narrative, like if I were reading a short story or a book. And it's, I don't know quite where I'm going to go, but it seems like it's guiding me mm -hmm. along. Is that a conscious decision? I think, I don't know how conscious it is as a decision in the creation process, but in the, in the editing process, it becomes a conscious decision, um, you know. To have kind of a, a a structureless structure, which is maybe more of a literary structure mm -hmm. rather than a musical structure. We're used to musical structures that kind of go a there's part A, there's part B, there's the chorus, they repeat, maybe there's a bridge. And um, I think that it's a good analogy that you brought up literature because I think in in writing, people are allowed a little more leeway with structure. And and I do feel like my my music has without words a more narrative quality than um sort of traditional instrumental music well i've listened to a lot of your music i've never seen you live what kind of setup what's the visual that that people in the audience have when you're performing it's quite simple <laughs> i i stand up and i play electric guitar and that <laughs> is pretty much it <laughs> but you know I, i've seen guys like um uh uh, you know, Lyle Mays or Pat Metheny, and they've just got like a like this whole wardrobe of guitars with them. What what is mm -hmm. it like with you? I have one. How do Sometimes you do this? <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the magic. <laughs> yeah, um, I keep it simple. You know, I travel alone. I play by myself. It's sort of, I guess. Um, I like to buck expectation a little bit, and <laughs> it's my personality. So kind of the thing that, that seems the most impossible might be the thing that I'm going to try to do. And, and for me, that is to just stand up and play an electric guitar without any adornment, you know? You know, and bear with me, I'm going somewhere with this. When I watch Saturday Night Live, <laughs> I think one of the hardest things to do creatively must be how do you end a funny skit? Because, you know, so many of the endings just yeah. seem... And I wonder, do you ever think, how do I end this song? How do I end this composition? I do. I do. Because they only end um, because I'm recording them or playing them in front of people. Like, if I'm left to my own devices and I'm just at home playing, I don't get to an ending. I just stop. So uh -huh. crafting how to get out of something is, is actually a quite difficult um, you know how to how to wrap it up and keep the keep the energy that you want and you know it's kind of the time where you could really um be the most uh trite or something 
and I want you know obviously want to try to avoid that. So the the ending is is really something that doesn't come naturally. Are you able to turn off the the sort of composition? Are you if you're out, do you hear sounds that oh well maybe that in some way could weave into a new piece? Constantly, mm. I'm constantly uh, hearing source things, and it's not just music. You know, and it's not just hearing either. It's like the way that the light hits on a certain day will be just like an incredible depth of something for me that I translate into sound or like the rhythm of like the garbage truck as it picks up each can and like, you know, you hear that machine arm and then you hear the dump and then you hear it hit the street again. Like that kind of rhythm. It's like, oh, there's something in there. You know, everything, everything is a source. Marisa, thank you so much for your time. I cannot wait to see the performance. Yeah, thank you very much. It's lovely to talk to you. Marisa Anderson talked with Kyle earlier this week. She'll perform in Clap Auditorium on Mount Sequoia Wednesday night. Doors open at 7 p.m. More about the show at mountsequoia.networkforgood.com. And more music just ahead. We spend four minutes with Paul Haas, the conductor for Sona, to find out more about the opening piece for tomorrow night's season opener for the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas. The arts umbrella agency Cash is starting a search for a new president and CEO. Allison Esposito, who has been the president and CEO since 2019, is leaving to take a new role as senior program officer at Builders Initiative. During her tenure, Cash launched more than three dozen arts programs across the region and awarded nearly $3 million to artists and creative organizations across Northwest Arkansas. This is Ozarks at Large. With me on the phone is Paul Haas with Sona, the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas. He's the music director. And Paul, welcome back to uh, the Ozarks and welcome back to Ozarks at Large. Thank you so much, Kyle. Great to be here with you. Uh, You're getting prepared for the concert that will be Saturday night at Walton Arts Center. I, I know we're going to talk about one piece instead of the whole concert, instead of the whole season, but how do you feel here on the eve of this uh, opener? Uh, this is a really exciting one. Uh, this season in particular, we're, <laughs> we're kind of blowing it up. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing uh, the kind of offerings we have uh, we have on display this season. So this is, this is exciting. Uh, it is called Imagine Big, and it's uh, it's it, it, it in some ways encapsulates uh, our our new the, the the new sona that that we're that we're bringing out to the public. Uh, it's it's high octane, really exciting, and it's not exactly what you might expect from the symphony orchestra. I, I that's all sounds exciting, and and when we're thinking about going big, we think about one of the pieces on this concert this weekend from Jessica Meyer. Go big or go home. Yeah, <laughs> this is uh, this is a uh, uh, one of the most fantastic composers on the scene today, uh, Jessica Meyer. She's actually an old friend in New York City, and uh, she performs in some of my let's call them crazier ventures in New York City, uh, in the Park Avenue Armory and elsewhere. So. When I heard that she was composing, especially for orchestra, I got, I got very intrigued. And this piece came across my radar, and it is unbelievable. I mean, let's start with an electric guitar, an electric bass, uh, screaming high trumpet lines. It's got uh, an entire uh, percussion section playing an extended uh, Latin percussion solo, sort of Afro-Cuban-esque 
and uh, yeah, it just goes on from there. It, it, it's an incredible piece. And this is what you've selected to open it all up with. Yeah, no, this is, uh, <laughs> if you don't like this one, you, you might want to get your pulse checked. It's, <laughs> it's, it's an incredible piece of music. Is it challenging to put together to perform? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's insane. <laughs> I mean, in the best possible way. Uh, it is, uh, for starters, extremely fast. Uh, it is written by a string player, four string players. Uh, Jessica Meyer is, is a astoundingly good violist. And so all the string playing is incredibly difficult, but written very well for the instrument. Uh, she's got a great sense of orchestration. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I, I had the pleasure of of of, 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 of performing this piece with her there uh, this summer at Tanglewood and uh, in Berkshires, Massachusetts. And uh, I kind of figured out what's what's inside her head, and and can't wait to bring it here. It's just just uh, a, a wonderful experience. Go big or go home from Jessica Meyer. Also. Shostakovich, and pictures at an exhibition. It's Saturday night at Walton Arts Center. Paul Haas, thank you so much for your time, and I hope you get some rest. Thank you very much, Kyle. I really do appreciate you having me on. Support for KUAF comes from the Walmart Museum, open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 8, and noon to 6 on Sunday on the Square in Bentonville. WalmartMuseum.com for more information. KUAF is supported by Little Wing Productions, welcoming classic country rock group Nitty Gritty Dirt Band to the auditorium in Eureka Springs this Friday, October 28th. Band hits include Mr. Bojangles, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, House at Pooh Corner, and more. Tickets at tickets.thundertix.com. This is Ozarks at Large. It's time to figure out what we're going to watch this weekend. Every Friday to help us do that is Courtney Lanning. Courtney, welcome back to the show. Kyle, thanks for having me. All right, this is a weekend that I think you and I both have sort of a strange relationship with because there are classic monsters and scares that we like. But there are a lot of scares and movies about scary things that we don't like. That's correct. You and I, as our listeners know, are not big fans of being scared. Right. But but you can make a horror movie without jump scares and the like and still have a good film. So I always like to have a couple of movies that I watch around Halloween. And I don't want to always go back to the same ones. I think you may have found one that you and I can both watch. Yes, it is called Wendell and Wild, and it's out today on Netflix. Tell me about Wendell and Wild. So this is another stop-motion animation offering from Henry Selick. And for people who aren't familiar with that name, this is the guy who's directed cult classics like Nightmare Before Christmas, great. James and the Giant Peach, great. Coraline. Oh, so, great. Yeah, so he is, you know, made a lot of millennial cult classics. You talk to a lot of kids who grew up in the 90s, and even if they don't know his name, they know his work and they love it. What? So I love stop motion animation. I love his work. What are we dealing with here? What's, what's the story? Who will we hear? The story centers around a young girl named Kat who loses her parents at a young age in a car accident and blames herself for it. Uh, she is put through the ringer uh, because of her guilt. She acts out. She finds herself very quickly in juvenile detention, and uh, the movie centers around her being given a second chance through a, a rehabilitation education program. So she returns to her hometown. She attends a, a private Catholic school, and this is supposed to be her, her second chance. By chance, uh, a couple of demons who are played by legendary comedy actors Key and Peele. Oh, nice. Yeah, a couple of demons named Key and Peele, they're brothers. Uh, they're named Wendell and Wilde, but they are Key and Peele in every way. Uh, they show up and offer her a deal that they will bring back her parents if she will summon them to the living world. And, you know, she does. She obviously wants her parents back. She's a young girl. Um, and hijinks ensue. Wow, this sounds incredibly interesting, but the potential to be pretty poignant and maybe even heavy because that's quite the choice to make bring demons into the living world to get your parents back i mean that's a tough choice yeah 
Absolutely. But you know, everything in this movie is, is while poignant, yes, the movie tackles issues of racial inequality and uh, even positive transgender representation. Those are definitely pieces of the movie, but it's, it's still, it's a, it's a comedy film. Okay. And there's a lots of great jokes and humor. Um, there's good slapstick. And it is on Netflix beginning today, Wendell and Wild. Correct. Yes. The, the newest Halloween offering just in time for the end of spooky season. And you can gather the whole family to watch this one. You can. It is a safe family friendly film. Anything else coming out this week? This is kind of a, a quieter week for titles, um, but there's a new movie coming out called, uh, it's Call Jane. This is a story that's set in the 60s about an underground network of women who take risks to provide abortions to pregnant women. Ooh. And the, the story centers on a woman named Joy who discovers that she has a pregnancy that's threatening her life. So obviously set in the 60s. But um, pre, pre-Roe v. Wade, this is going to be a, an issue deals with timely topics, and so far it seems to have pretty good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. What will we talk about next week? Next week I will have a review for you of Enola Holmes 2, which I don't know if you'll remember this. This is one of my favorite movies that came out during the pandemic. Enola Holmes uh, from Millie Bobby Brown, Who from, you know from Eleven from Stranger yeah. Things. Uh, she plays Sherlock Holmes's younger sister, solves mysteries and whatnot, and tries to deal with being a young girl in the late 1800s. You can see the full review of Wendell and Wild in today's Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Courtney Lanning, thank you very much. Happy Halloween. Next time we talk, it's November. Happy Halloween, Kyle, and you're right. Next time we talk, we are smack dab at the start of turkey season. It's the Community Spotlight Week in Review on KUAF. I'm Pete Hartman. This week we heard from Bethany Clark with Peace at Home Family Shelter. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. A lot of people think of it primarily as a family shelter, an emergency shelter for people escaping domestic violence. But we also have different housing assistants and advocates. We have counseling. We have free legal service. Of course, uh, y'all's thrift store, always in need of our help. And that's a great way to to help further y'all's mission. I mean, it's open to the public. So if you want to come and shop at the thrift store, feel free to do that. All proceeds go back to Peace at Home Family Shelter. One cool thing about the thrift store is that all of our residents at our shelter get free vouchers and they can shop at the thrift store for free. Bethany Clark with Peace at Home Family Shelter. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month and Bethany says a simple thing we can all do, tag a selfie in pink with DVAM 2022. For more, peaceathome.org. Youth Guardians for Conservation Northwest Arkansas is hoping to take another group of students overseas for science and conservation-related studies, this time to Belize. This week we heard from Cameron Simpkins, a biology teacher at FHS and one of YGC's founders. Our trip that we had, it was an international trip we had planned in the summer of 2020. (laughs) Um, I'm laughing because that was a plan. It was postponed, but we were able to take students to Costa Rica the following summer in 2021, learning about sea turtles, doing real world sea turtle research with the Latin America Sea Turtle um, Association while we were down there. And so that uh, was a great kickoff to helping students here in our area um, to take back those conservation experiences and those real-world science um, research experiences and start to apply them in smaller ways here in Northwest Arkansas. Our upcoming trip in June 2023 will be taking uh, students to Belize to work with the Belize National Zoo and zoologists working there on various conservation researches with endangered species. We'll also be working with the Smithsonian uh, Marine Research Institute um, on one of the islands located just off the coast there, Belize, to do some coral reef conservation research as well. That was Matt Holden with Youth Guardians for Conservation Northwest Arkansas. This group is hosting a trail cleanup at Devil's Den this weekend. Then November 6th, we'll host a Thai dinner prepared by students who visited Thailand last year. For more on this group, YGCNWA.org. 
And finally, we heard from Sierra Collins this week. She is Interim Director of Student Life with Northwest Arkansas Community College. The community-wide Fall Festival takes place tonight. Community is our middle name, and so um, it's been a pleasure and a delight to be able to open up our student life activities to the community. Um, We have face painting for kids or adults. Um, We have a costume contest put on by one of our student organizations. Um, We have raffles for anybody who participates, Um, and also we're going to have some food trucks parked out um, for people to get some dinner. Um, And then at the end of the night, closing down, we're going to have an outdoor movie. So make sure to bring your lawn chairs, blankets, and we'll have some hand warmers there too. But we're going to be showing E.T. there at the end when it starts to get dark. Sierra Collins with Northwest Arkansas Community College. Again, their Fall Fest takes place tonight. You can find more online at nwacc.edu. Each and every week here on KUAF, you hear about some of the best people in our communities doing some of the best things for our communities. Tune in each weekday morning, 631 and 831, for the Community Spotlight on KUAF. Your voice matters. You can email me, that's Pete, at KUAF.com. The Bentonville Public Library will host Suzanne Woods Fisher tomorrow morning at 11 for a book talk and book signing connected to her latest novel, The Moonlight School. Earlier this year, we talked with Fisher about her work. Well, part of it is I think good stories are ones that leave you a little bit of a better person at the end of it. And I I don't mean to sound bleak, but our world is a troubled world. There's no shortage of troubles in it. And I think to bring people to a better place, to kind of a conclusion that it's going to be okay and it all kind of writes itself, I think that is just a really powerful thing for an author to do. Suzanne Woods-Fisher will be at the Bentonville Public Library tomorrow morning at 11. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Mitchell-Worley. And coming up next time on Bill Street Caravan, we've got gumbo, grits, and gravy at Bar DKDC in Memphis, Tennessee. Guy Davis joins us as well for another installment from the Blues Hall of Fame. That's all coming up next time on Bill Street Caravan. Bill Street Caravan tonight at 8, right before the generic blues show with Paul Galso on KUAF. The Arkansas soccer team is heading into the SEC tournament with momentum. Last night, the Razorbacks defeated Kentucky 6-0 in Fayetteville. That closes out the regular season. Arkansas is the fourth seed in the SEC tourney. They'll meet fifth-seeded Vanderbilt Tuesday night in Pensacola, Florida. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Barling. KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors today included Michael Tilley, Becca Martin-Brown, Pete Hartman, and Courtney Lanning. Additional material in today's show provided by the new staff at KUAR in Little Rock. Matthew Moore. The man who's sitting across the table from me produced today's show inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'll be with you Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large. Matthew, we both plan to be here Monday to start a new week of daily shows. That's right. And don't forget, if you ever miss one of our stories, you can find that at ozarksatlarge.com. Open up your podcast app of choice. Search for Ozarks at Large. And don't forget, you can listen to all of our local music programming later this evening on KUAF 91.3 or by using the KUAF app on your phone. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellams. Please get rest. We'll talk again very soon.